The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Hello and welcome to the Cloister Bell Podcast. I'm Liam and I'm joined by Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, Liam, and hello, everyone. Yes, hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back. How's it going, Rob? Um, really good. It's um, Easter weekend. Well, it's coming up as we, rec- we rec- record. Lost my voice there, but all good. Yeah, it is all good. Yeah. For we record this on Good Friday. Um, yeah. Uh, are you... Because it's also um, half term for the kids, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. So, what? Uh, yeah, they're they've had the they're in the back end of the second. No, let me just start again. I'm tired because <laughs> the kids are off. My brain stopped working. <laughs> so yeah, we're at the back end of the the first week off, and they've got another week off. So we just try to entertain them, take them on some days out. We went to. Adventure Valley um, at the start of the week, which is in Durham. Um, and it's kind of like full of animals and things to do, play areas for the kids. That was fun. That sounds nice. Got to um, stroke some sheep, some rabbits, llamas, things like that. Oh, lovely. I know, that sounds really nice. Yeah. So you've been enjoying the time off? Well, uh, with the kids, I mean. Yeah, I've been in work a lot, but um, after tomorrow, I've got four days off. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I had today off, weekend. Uh, yeah, and I'm off Monday as well, so, yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I was in today, but I was on double time. I think everyone else was just on time and a half, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, it was because uh, we've got the option to, to work the bank holidays at work as well, and I think we get good double time, but it's just, ah, I sold that all yeah. the time. I want the time off. Um, yeah. I know, I was working now. I was like, God, I'm getting loads an hour. But, yeah. Um, uh, they did have me down for the Monday as well, mm-hmm. but uh, I cancelled that. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, yeah. So any plans? Uh, no, um, just family stuff, um, relaxing, kid stuff, nothing interesting. How about you? Um, catching up with a friend tomorrow, we're going for a meal. Actually, uh, that reminds me, you and I need to have a catch up. Uh, oh need, yeah? Yeah, we need to, I was thinking sometime next month. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. Okay, we'll we'll put something in the diary for that. So, uh, catching up with the mate tomorrow evening, having a meal and stuff. I haven't seen him in. It's been well over a year, I think. Um, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, that and because it's, it's no, it's not the 40th anniversary. It's it's some anniversary of. It's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Is it? Or maybe not. No, no, yeah, it? no, it would be because I came out eighty three, didn't it? Yes, uh, yeah, it yeah. was the fortieth. Yeah, um, but they they they've uh, they're they're showing uh, Life of Brian at the cinema, Monty Python's Life Ooh. of Brian. Um, so I'm going to the cinema on Sunday to see that. That's good. So yeah, looking forward to that. And Monday, no plans. I'm sure during the course of all this, it involve involve me <laughs> reading something. I'm still yeah. going through uh, Nixon's biography. By John A. Farrell. I'm really loving that. It's really good. Very, clearly well researched. Very well written. I love how we structured it. Um, 
been it's been fascinating. I think I've got another hundred pages to to read of that. Then I think what I'm going to do is um, take a little bit of a break from Richard Nixon, only temporarily, and because um, this uh, this month April marks the seventieth anniversary of the first James Bond novel, Casino Royale. So I think I'll just use that as an excuse to dive back into the James Bond novels and and read them. All right. Uh-huh. Um, is the Nixon biography is that new or is that a bit of an oldie? Um, no, I think it's fairly recent. I mean, I can grab it and get the the publication. Yeah, I think. Uh, hang on, wait a second. I am going to do that. Bear with me. Go and get it. Liam's just getting his book. We'll just wait here for him. Right, it... and there he is. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a little bit older than I thought, but not much. It was originally published in twenty seventeen. Oh, okay. That's recent. Yeah, that's recent. You know, I had it in my head that it was 2021 or something like that. But according to this, that was when it was reprinted. Uh, mm. But yeah, it came out in 2017. But it's uh, if anyone's interested, yeah, it's uh, it was the finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. So it's uh, it's very well respected. Richard Nixon, The Life by John A. Farrell. Um, and as you can imagine, it, it you know it, it does cover his entire life. It's a single volume, but it is quite comprehensive. Uh, and it's interesting as well. So when I'm, you know, I'm reading, um, when I've, I've, you know, I'm reading something, and it's just like, oh, I've, I've read the original source for that. Uh, you know, just with what I've been reading uh, this year. But yeah, it's uh, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Um, That's nice. Yeah, because I took a because you know how I was reading. Um, oh crap! I need to finish Return of the King. Oh for God's sake! You not finished that yet? No, I needed to take a bloody break from it. So yeah, uh, that was another thing. So I'm determined that I will finish it. But when I, because I, you know, I was reading, I read uh, Fellowship of the Rings, and I quite enjoyed that. And I read The Two Towers, and quite enjoyed that. But when it came to The Return of the King, because I tried to read the whole of The Lord of the Rings years ago, and I got as far as the first chapter of Return of the King, and I went, oh, I can't be dealing with this. I'm done. Coming to that third book, as I uh, reading it again, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not surprised. I gave up at this point. I, uh, yeah, I'm struggling with it. Um, mm. But I've only got 200 pages left. But I, I needed a break from it. It, yeah. it was, it was breaking me that thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm determined that I will finish it. So that's something else I need to do this month: get back to Return of the King and finish the damn thing off. Yeah, you been doing anything else other than reading, watching anything? Um. I've been watching old well, <laughs> I've been watching episodes of Lovejoy recently, and uh, I love Lovejoy. Yeah, and um, some episodes of Two Point Four Children, um, which for those that don't know was a sitcom in the nineties. Um, yeah, I'm really, but other than that, I haven't I haven't really watched any films in a good few weeks. I think. Um, right. Yeah. No, I haven't really been watching anything. How about you? Um, I haven't been to the cinema in a while. I did go and see Ant-Man. I don't think we've spoke since I've seen that, probably. But yeah, I went to see Ant-Man when that came out. All right, okay. Um, been catching up on The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, I watched... What, what have I been watching? I watched a Netflix show called The Night Watch. The Night, no, The Night Agent, which was all right. All right, what, what's that about? Uh, it's about a guy who works for 
Well, he kind of works for the FBI and the Secret Service, and he works in the White House, and he sits by a phone all night waiting for, like, undercover secret agents to ring up if they need help. All right, okay. And one day the phone rings, and and then, uh, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, I did got to say, I'm kind of intrigued. What was that called? <laughs> the Night Agent. The Night Agent. And what's yeah. that on? At Netflix. Oh, I've got to subscribe to something to watch it. Are you cancelled Netflix? Cancelled that ages ago, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got the point. It was just like, there's nothing to watch. Um, um, I've been... Well, for years I'd put off the last few episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, Evil Dead Rise comes out at the end of April. So I thought, finally, I'm just going to watch them. Uh, they were quite good. Um, it uh, the kind of cliffhanger that ends on, um, considering the show was cancelled, um, the cliffhanger kind of works as a as a typical Ash ending. Um, so I'm kind of happy with how it ended, and I don't think he's not going to be in the Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think I, I might go and see that. Hopefully, I might just go on my own. <laughs> All right, okay. Don't think my wife wants to go, but. Um, you got any interest in the Evil Dead? A little. Uh, I mean, I sort of like them, but I'm not. Uh, it's been such a long time. So, and the thing is, I never. I've never seen the third film, uh, which I know is going to be a lot of fun. And I think he tra- time travels back to the medieval period or something. I've never watched yeah. it. For, oh, I love Army of Darkness. Oh, that, that's what it's called. Yes, Army of Darkness. But I've seen the first two films, of which I think this. It, I mean, we're talking years, Rob. Uh, I think I preferred the second one. Um, yeah, the second one's a lot better. Yeah, um, but the, the funny thing is, uh, unless I've somehow sort of vaguely been aware that Evil Dead stuff's happening, it it has sort of like popped into my head within recent weeks, and it'd be like, yeah, I, I, I want to watch them again, and then finally get around to watching uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah. Well, uh, well, if you want me to pass all the Blu-rays on, um, the oh. TV show is quite good, I think. It's a bit. It's it it also comes across as. I don't, I don't really want to say this like badly acted and cheap, but that's kind of in theme with the whole series. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Has Sam Raimi got anything to do with the the the, the recent stuff, the the TV? Of course, series? he yes, he does. Right, okay, good, good. Um, Bruce Campbell stars oh, as good. Ash. Um, there was like a, a semi reboot in twenty thirteen called Evil Dead, um, which is a standalone film repeating the same formula of the original film. Mm. Um, it doesn't necessarily say it's a, a remake. It can be set in the same world. Um, but that was like a pure horror. Um, there's another guy directing the new one, Evil Dead Rise, this month. Um, I don't know, was Lee, Lee Cronin or somebody? Um, but this is set in a, a high-rise um, tower block. So... Um, Bit of a different formula than the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Do you know apart from apart from uh, these recent uh, evil uh, the Evil Dead series and oh, what was it called? Doctor Strange. What was it? The multi- yeah, the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, which yeah. has which has a ton of Evil Dead references. Oh, does it? Oh, okay, fun. So apart from that, do you know what else uh, Sam Raimi's been up to? Has he been involved with anything else? Do you know? Um. Well. Well, he did do the three Spider-Man films. Yes, I know that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I don't know what else he's been up to. He, him and Bruce Campbell produced the, well, both of the recent Evil Dead films. Mm-hmm. Um, he did do a horror before the Evil Dead reboot. What was it called? It'll come to me. Um, but no, I don't know what else they've been up to. Maybe nothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe nothing. Because um, I remember when uh, the uh, the Spider Man movies came out, which was roughly twenty years ago now, isn't it? Um, mm. I mean, I think he did a good job directing them. But I, always, I remember at the time that because obviously I, I knew him from the Evil Dead movies. I just remember that being quite a surprise. Yeah, there's a ton of Evil Dead references in the three Tobey Maguire Spider Man films. Um, Bruce Campbell cameos who played Ash and Evil Dead in each one, and um, I think he doesn't isn't he like um, at that Fight Club in the first one, and then he's like a French waiter in one of them, on and like a, or a, and then a movie usher in another one, but his character kind of bests Tobey Maguire's Spider Man, um, just like Ash would I guess, but yeah, and also. The camera work of in Spider-Man Two, I haven't seen this in years, but Doctor Octopus when his octopus arms are flying around, um, that's kind of the the handheld view of the demon from Evil Dead. Oh, okay. Kind of mirrors that, and someone has a a um like a operating saw, which is a bit like Ash's chainsaw mm-hmm. there. So a little reference there. All right. Well, and Bruce Campbell's also in um, Doctor Strange as well. Ah, right, okay. Well, uh, I'm on IMDb, and uh, th- I completely forgot about the film Drag Me to Hell, uh, which he did in 2009. Um, ah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, that's the one where it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, the main character, I think she works in a bank, and you know she's seen as a, like a bit of a pushover. Um, and her manager says, whoever the next person is, you know, you're not, re- you're refusing them alone or something. And it's this old sort of like gypsy woman that comes in and she's like utterly gross because her teeth are falling out and stuff like that. And she refuses her a bank loan and helping her out. And then the the woman puts a curse on her and she's right. got, um, unless the curse is reversed, then she'll be dragged to hell. And during the, uh, I forgot what the time frame is, say it's like seven days or something like that. And during the course of those seven days, um, like weird things start start to happen, and uh, but the, the the woman can't help because by this point, you know, she's she's died, and there's something to do with a button. She needs to be returned. That needs to be buried. But there's the whole confusion thing, and there's a twist end where you think everything's been resolved, but it hasn't been, and then she's dragged to hell. Oh, I'll have to check this out. Oh. and he also directed Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Bruce Bruce Campbell was in that as well, wasn't he? Was he? Wasn't he? Wasn't he like the doorman in that or something like that? Oh, probably. But yeah. Um, you... And also, um, well, I, I don't know if you. It's kind of um, Ash's car from the Evil Dead, which is was also Sam Raimi's car in real life. That that cameos in all his films as well. Oh, okay. I did not know. Um, apparently, it's in Oz. Um, it's. In all the Spider-Man films, <laughs> right, okay. and then in Doctor Strange, it's floating around in one scene. <laughs> all right, okay, nice. Yeah. 
Um, what I think that's all I've been watching. I watched a film on Netflix called Fall, where two girls climb up this insanely large radio tower, and then they get stuck. Do they fall? Um, I will not spoil anything. All right, okay. <laughs> Check out Fall. <laughs> was it good? Uh, so you recommend you- it? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite good, yeah. So, um, what we're talking about today, Liam? Well, uh, we're talking about uh, two big Finnish audio adventures. So, um, these are two stories which fall in the season 18, so Tom Baker's final season. Um, at this point, this falls into uh, what's called the East Space Trilogy. So, within the televised series, you had um, Full Circle which introduces us to Adric, State of Decay, and Warrior's Gate. And these two stories uh, are sandwiched in between State of Decay and Warrior's Gate. So uh, it's Purgatory Purgatory 12 and Chase the Night. This is like the longest bloody trilogy on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it even makes uh, Douglas Adams uh, have a run for his money. Because um, what was it? His is a trilogy in five parts, and this is... A, this is because there's two more, isn't there? This is a trilogy yeah. in seven parts now. So Yeah, and counting, probably. And counting, counting yeah. yeah. So, um, with Purgatory 12, this is the plot synopsis that Big Finish have provided us with. Uh, not us personally, it's on their website. Still searching for a way out of e-space, the TARDIS crew land on an isolated space rock and immediately find it drawn towards a nearby asteroid. The asteroid has air and gravity unequal to its size and is strewn with wrecks of spaceships. Veins and pools of rust are everywhere. Stuck on the asteroid away from his friends, Adric discovers that it's a penal colony housing a gang of alien convicts, but resources are low and they're starting to starve. But escaping the prisoners is only the first part of the traveller's troubles because there is a sinister presence at the heart of the asteroid and it won't release them quite as easily. The cast and crew, Tom Baker plays the Doctor, Lala Ward plays Romana, John Leeson plays K-9, Matthew Waterhouse plays Adric, Amy Downham, uh, sorry, how's it going? Army, I've misspelled that. Amy Downham plays Square and Pips, Liam Fox plays Mang and Wunshoes, uh, <laughs> Nimi March plays Colonel Zaya and George Watkins plays Crimson. It was directed by Nicholas Briggs. It was written by Mark Platt and produced by David Richardson. So, Rob, can you remember anything about this story? It's amazing how little I remember. It's been weeks since I watched it. But I didn't even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't listening, but I watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a few weeks with me. I remember sort of like bits and pieces of it, but it, it's not really a story that's massively mm. stuck with me i remember mm. um the fact that it is set on this asteroid it's lots of rust you've got all these prisoners some are you know some of them seem quite decent some of them you can't trust them and i remember there's this whole thing to do with this odd entity which is housed within um the center of the asteroid oh yes and Basically, it's sort of like a petulant child, really, and just just wants friends and someone to play with. Uh, and there's this whole thing to do with chess and, and what have you. But yeah, as a story, it hasn't really stuck with me massively. I mean, the big thing is it has quite a new series approach to Adric. So 
if you're taking the story as continuity, this is Adric's third story. So we saw him in Full Circle, we saw him in State of Decay, and now he's here. And it, it's sort of this thing of going, well, actually, in Full Circle, his brother Varsh died. And apart from a brief moment where he's obviously quite emotional about it, and then there's a there's a bit of a reference to it in Earthshock, which is Adric's last story. Um, nothing really is sort of done about that. So what Purgatory 12 does is, is bring that very much to the forefront and go, well, Adric is clearly mourning the loss of his brother. Yeah, it also sounds like he's full of cold. I'm going to say that's my headcanon. <laughs> yeah, obviously not the fact that Matthew Waterhouse is... is uh, 50 years older now or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and still trying to... Which is understandable. I can see what he's trying to do, but uh, trying to match the, the inflection and how he used to speak as a 18-year-old or however old he was when he was playing Adric uh, in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, um, he's got a cold. He's clearly very emotional, hence the different voice. Um, which I actually think, you know, was uh, quite a nice touch. It's one of those things where with, with classic Doctor Who, it never really bothered me that we never really got this whole thing of Adric mourning the death of his brother. Mm-hmm. But of course now with this story, just going, oh yeah, I suppose it, <laughs> I suppose it is a bit odd. That wasn't, that wasn't really a thing, but that was a thing with classic Doctor Who. Um, it would sort of mention, uh, emotion, Briefly, <laughs> but we've got an adventure to you know focus on, so let's focus on that. Uh, mm. Um, and there's a bit. So of wait, a... we sorry, Rob, go on. I was just going to kick off the start of the story where he's playing chess, but sorry, go ahead. No, no, that you, yeah, um, <laughs> pretty much what I was going to mention. So there's a whole thing at the beginning. Uh, uh, he's playing. He's learning how to play chess with with canine. I t- to be honest, when I was first listening to this. I did think that this was just sort of needless padding, but actually it does have a payoff towards the end of the story, although I do think it goes on a little bit too long. But yeah, Adric is playing uh, chess with K9. Um, there's this whole thing about you know how young Adric is and he needs to learn. Um, so he's, he, he's a bit... He sort of like flies off the handle a bit and the Doctor's like, well, off you go. You can leave. Dump someone on an asteroid... Um, takes off but the Doctor has this idea that you know he is going to come back and you know take Adric and not just like dump him on this asteroid but um, I don't know I think a bit of it was a bit tough yeah a little bit I mean I can very see where the Doctor's level. coming from but I think it's it's it's, it's very heavily handed mm. You know, and this thing of, well, we we need to... I mean, one of the things that we've said when we reviewed the previous Big Finish Audio Adventures that are supposed to fall within this season, they've all been um, two-part stories. And one thing that we've said is that mm, maybe that's been a bit too short and maybe there should be four-parters. And that that's one change with these stories that we're looking at. They are very much structured like classic Doctor Who, four-part, 25 to 30-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives a it gives us a, a, a little more time to to play around with, but um, this it does seem a bit heavy handed of 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 a way of getting to the location and immediately separating the characters, so you can have these two uh, sort of adventures of what what's happening to Adric, what's happening to the Doctor and Romana, and then then they later merge. 
Um, but doing it in this way seems a bit... I don't know. Slightly out of character, would you say? Or... Because of the Doctor. Yeah, mm. totally, totally. It's a bit odd. Just messing with the poor boy. Yeah. Um, but it's not as if the, the story uh, has this and then promptly forgets about it. It, it is woven into the story that um, it does have the Doctor and Adric on the back foot. They, it's obviously fine and resolved at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But there is this bit of a conflict between the two characters. Um which is interesting and then Romana is the one who's pointing out to the doctor well you know he's he's mourning the death of Varsh and Adric's behavior in what he's doing reflects that so it's not just a case of Romana telling us this um where we're hearing Adric um going through it as well which uh, which is interesting but um to be perfectly honest I don't have really much to say about Purgatory 12 no, me neither. I, I, I think the second story um, has some interesting points, but mm. hmm. so, um, what what exactly happens in the story? So, there's obviously people on this asteroid. Yes. So, what it is is that so it's Purgatory Twelve, and it's uh, that is a prison planet, basically. I mean, mm. it's well, prison asteroid. You know what I mean? Um, of I don't think we're actually specifically told what these criminals were supposed to have done, but they're isolated on this place. Uh, it's a very harsh environment. There's a lot of rust. Um, and food is rationed and very difficult to come by. Um, we quickly established that there's something odd going on with it. Rust seems to be able to come to life, but not of its own accord. It's, it's clearly that it, there's some strong mental power which is controlling all of this um we don't really get a full unless i've forgotten it but i don't think i have we don't really get a full explanation of what this thing is do we no is it just like a sentient thing from e-space like what have we had before like like the frog in the chair Yes, so and it's from, away, or, it's from another universe. Yeah, or maybe, or sort of like the great intelligence type thing. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. I think th- yeah, but we don't we don't get any explanation. Not necessarily. You know, maybe we don't need one. Um, but I think for this type of story, you know, it's, it's, I mean, one of the things when you're talking about the great intelligence, there's there's a mystery of its origins and what it's about, and that lends a lot to the atmosphere. And it, that's sort of one of the things that you you don't really want a full explanation of it. The, the appeal lies in the mystery. Um, but really that comes down to the idea and how you utilise it. I think here, um, I think with the, the type of idea it is and how it's utilised, I think the story is lacking an explanation of it, really. Especially because within the last two episodes in particular, we're spending an awful lot of time with it. And it's... It, the idea that it's just the sentient being who... What's it called? The gullet? Yes, they call it the gullet, yeah. Um, and I suppose they're trying to make some sort of comparison between Adric and the sentient thing because they're both very young and they need to learn. And mm. Adric's the one who's learning. Is able. To... There's a bit where the gullet is 
going through this massive hissy fit and Adric is able to to emotionally reach out to it and calm it down because he knows he knows what it's like to be alone and you know because essentially that's what he's feeling like because he no longer has his brother he feels like he's been abandoned by the doctor and Romana. um yeah but then this the, the gullet is sort of like going on this massive hissy fit and Adric is able to calm it down by playing chess um so that's how that plays into it and there's yeah. this massive battle at the end <laughs> with massive chess pieces which is a lot of fun uh i grant you um so there's some nice imagery and mm-hmm. i think that the performances in the story are good um did this story in any way help deal with adric's grief well that's the thing no. i don't think it did really it sort of mentions it and doesn't really do anything mm. about it so just mm. yeah unless i mean do you agree or disagree you know i totally agree with that yeah it was an interesting story i guess like but it also wasn't <laughs> Uh, there's also some stuff with the doctor providing the food dispenser yes yeah yeah that's true uses uh, the food dispenser gets a which i don't think it's probably been referenced since the william hartnell era so it was nice to bring that back in i suppose um Mm. yeah the way that i would describe purgatory 12 is a perfectly reasonable story uh i was entertained by it whilst listening to it um I remember bits and pieces of it, obviously, but even immediately after listening to it, I, I had the thing of going, yeah, that was fine, but I have no desire to really go back to, to listen to it. Yeah, there's very little exciting or emotional there, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's f- fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've found much to take away from the the fourth Doctor stuff, apart from me, maybe like appreciation because the characters are back mm. and maybe nostalgia but um yeah the, it doesn't kind of appeal to me the same way some of like the eighth doctor stuff has yeah i completely agree with that i think that's been one of the things that has surprised me actually because i think this is one thing that has been consistent with us when we've come through the stories obviously we have ones that we like more than the others but yeah i've, I've been surprised at how just sort of indifferent i've I felt about a lot mm. of these stories um yeah and as you say there's there's ones particularly with the eighth doctor that i've listened to um and yeah uh, they're really strong very atmospheric really stick in the mind and are ones that i would very much like to go back and listen to again mm. um whereas with these ones it's not like diverting entertainment, but that's pretty much it. And Purgatory 12 very much falls into that. I think mm-hmm. Chase the Night's slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one a lot more. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about Purgatory 12? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it was it was nice having you stuck for Adric, engagements with K9. Um and a quite a well-rounded story, I guess, the way it started off and, and ended with the chess. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that I do like about these is because um, with the televised stories, um, K9 has very little to do, apart from uh, Instated K. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that these Big Finish audio adventures are doing is is, is making K9 very much part of the, the story and 
y- using him well. So that's, you know, that's nice. And John Leeson is still... Um, it was great to hear John Leeson playing K-9. He can, you know, still doing the voice and everything. That was that was mm-hmm. great. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, folks, that's <laughs> that's the ringing endorsement of Purgatory 12. So yeah. moving on... We had, we had to sit through four hours of that just for this quick 20-minute <laughs> chat. <laughs> was it worth it? No. I'm not being... I'm not trying to be harsh. It was, it was good. Yeah. But it's been weeks since I listened to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next story, Chase the Night... So, with a plot synopsis for that one, the TARDIS lands on an alien tropical rainforest at night where the Doctor, Adric and Romana discover a set of rails stretching through the undergrowth. These tracks carry a long, crashed spaceship that's being converted to run along them like a train. The ship has to keep moving because only the night side of the world is habitable. The sun on the day side burns so hot that everything on the surface is turned to ash. But the stress and strain of the constant movement is beginning to take its toll on the ship. Parts are starting to break down, and the relentless heat gets even closer, but the greatest danger may be on the inside. Mm. So, with the cast and crew, Tom Baker plays the Doctor, Lala Ward-Romana, John Leeson K-9, Matthew Waterhouse-Adrick, and then the guest stars, Jane Asher plays Pilot Dina, William Gabomare plays Engineer Turson, Lucy Heath plays Moni, Christopher Naylor plays Bolan, and Tanya Rodriguez plays Laker. It was directed by Nicholas Briggs, written by Jonathan Morris, I'll get back onto him in a moment, and produced by David Richardson. So, Rob, um, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this properly. Do you, Have you heard of Opapia Cordyceps Unilateris? Well, yeah, th- this, this actually uh, identified with this straight away. Mm. Yeah. Also known as Zombie Ant Fungus. Um, so there's a bit, the reason why I mention this is because, uh, I think it's, uh, I, I found about this, I found about this years ago. Um, yeah, I was quite intrigued with it before mm. a certain thing, um, blew up in popular culture. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was aware when, of this before, uh, before Waking Dead or well, hang on. Uh, Dead? Yeah. The Last of Us. The Last of Us. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> I knew about this before it was cool. Me yeah. too. Me too. <laughs> It's two of us nerds. Anyway, yeah. Um, but for the purpose of this, I, I, I decided to, to read a bit more into it. And there's a lot more going on about this, this zombie ant fungus than even I initially thought. So uh, I came across this article. So I'm just going to, if you just indulge me, I'm just going to uh, read from it. So what it is, is in tropical areas like Brazil, you've got this fungus which infects carpenter ants. And what it does is it grows through the insect's body drains it of nutrients and hijacks its mind, right? Uh, and over the course of a week, it compels the ant to leave the safety of its nest and ascend a nearby plant stem. It stops the ant at a height of 25 centimetres, a zone which pres- is precisely the right temperature and humidity for the fungus to grow. It forces the ant to p- uh, permanently lock its mandibles around a leaf, and eventually it sends a long stalk through the ant's head growing into a bulbous capsule full of spores. And because the ant typically climbs a leaf that overhangs its colony's foraging trails, the fungal spores rain down onto uh, the ants below and zombifies them in turn. Um, so that's what I you know, I, I knew about it. Um, but there's, there's a lot more going on. It's actually a lot more complex because what I thought the fungus did was um, infect the ant 
uh, forced her to, to do this thing, which I've just described. Whilst during the course of that week, uh, Ravis's body, but take over its head. But actually, that's not what's happening. So when the fungus first enters its host, it, it, it exists as a single cell that floats around the ant's bloodstream. But then it buds off new copies of themselves. And at some point, these single cells start working together and they connect to each other by building sort of short tubes. Um, um, and they sort of hook up in a way that they communicate and exchange nutrients. So it sort of like becomes this communication network. And mm. what they do is they start invading the ants' muscles, either by penetrating the muscle cells themselves or growing into the spaces between them. So muscle fibers are encircled and drained by a network of interconnected yellow fungal cells. And I came across this video which shows it. And it's it's one of those things that's like, it's fascinating but really creepy. And so um, so what happens is muscle fibers are encircled and drained by the ne- the network of these things. And the fungal cells infiltrate the ant's entire body, including its head. But, this is the thing, they leave its brain untouched. So... The thought is, because I think this is still being investigated, and I think this was discovered, like people were aware of this at some point, I think in the mid-19th century, and they're still sort of looking at it. But at the moment, the thought is that the fungus controls the ant's muscles. So once an infection is underway, the neurons in the ant's body, so the ones that give its brain control over its muscles, start to die, and the fungus then takes over. So effectively what it does is it cuts the ant's limbs off from its brain and inserts itself in its place and releasing and releases chemicals that force the muscles there to contract. So if this if so if this is right then the uh, and then I'm going back to the article if this is right then the ant ends its life as a prisoner in its own body its brain is still the driver's seat but the fungus has the wheel. Right okay. Uh, I didn't I didn't initially know this but because um, this fungal cordyceps is a big part of The Last of Us. You've played the game. I've watched the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, the TV show does explore that, that the person is a prisoner inside their body mm-hmm. and they can they can see and experience it all. But um, this thing is in control of them. Yeah. Um but yeah, so but when I was reading that, I was just I was just fascinated. But I mean, I've always found the thing interesting. But again, when I first became aware of it, I thought that what the fungus was doing was taking control of the ant's brain. But it doesn't do that; it leaves the brain alone. Yeah, and takes con- and, yeah, and but can take but takes control over its muscles. The fact that it can do that and steer the ant up the tree. Uh, is he? Is he? It's sort of like that still raises that raises more questions than it, than it answers. But yeah, the whole thing is disturbingly fascinating. Um, so anyway, listeners, if if you're wondering why why we're talking about this, is because we're so bored of chasing the night. We thought no, um, this actually goes into the the story. So what it is is uh, there's this huge tropical planet uh, which they land on, and as we said during the pl- uh, the plot synopsis. One side of the planet is uh, shrouded in darkness for sixty years, and then it, and then with the planet's orbit, um, because it's incredibly close to the sun, um, when it starts turning towards the sun, so basically when it's becoming summer, it uh, it basically it's so hot everything burns, uh, 
Um, and what it is is that there's this fungus on this planet, um, which which they've been eating, uh, and eventually it does this thing where it makes the it, it basically eventually uh, infects them and controls them to step outside and what's it Rob reach high into the sky yes reach reach high into the sky I think yeah. yeah um and when I was listening to the story the first thing that I the first thing that immediately came to uh, came to mind was the uh the zombie ant fungus mm. um quite an interesting way to get that idea um and, and, and use it in this way um yeah but it, and it uses it in a, a less of a menacing way I guess, but um, yeah, I guess it can raise some big philosophical questions and ethical. But um, so, getting down to the story, we've got these humans, humanoid people. So they arrived on this planet at some point, mm-hmm. um, and am I remembering this correctly? Correctly, they um, did they um cannibalize the ship or did they have some kind of rail system set out yeah no i don't think they cannibalize the ship but but yeah what they do is uh they basically become stranded on this planet and uh in order to keep moving so they're, they're constantly ahead of the sun um mm. they've converted the, the ship into effectively a train so they've, they've they've created these um railway tracks and it basically goes around the planet mm. and they've been doing this for about 114 years have they been to, is it so have they been doing this throughout the generations? I'm guessing. Uh, is that just implied? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think that the the, the people because the, the, these um, I don't know. We'll call them humans for argument's sake, but but these humans have a very long lifespan. So those that originally landed on the planet, it's 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 still that original crew. I mean, I assume. All oh, right. Still... Okay. I wasn't. Well, that's what I wasn't too sure about. But I'm, I mean, I assume that they've still been having families and what have you. But. Yeah. yeah. Um so I think it's the same crew about 114 years. I mean one of the things about um season 18, the TV series which was script edited by uh Christopher H Bidmead. He he came from a technological and scientific background and one of the things that he sort of wrote as a theme within season 18 because it Tom Baker's last is this this idea of entropy. So entropy is sort of uh, a bit of a theme in season 18 and obviously building up to what happens in the final story, which is Logopolis. One of the things that I like about, I mean, it's it's not subtle, but uh, Chase the Night brings that theme into um, into the story. I mean, the fact that they mention about the second law of thermodynamics and entropy. Um, just to hammer it home, in case you in case you missed it, it's it's clearly mentioned. But the whole thing about you know things breaking down and this spaceship is falling apart. It's been doing this thing for 114 years, and um, the engines are breaking, and that obviously lends itself to the the drama of of the story. Um, but I, I quite like that. But one of the things that I just want to mention is because um, I'm just going to rattle off a list of the stories that we've looked at. So. For the Big Finish audio season 18 stuff, we've looked at The Beast of Kravenos, The Eternal Battle, The Silent Scream, Deathras, The Haunting of Malcolm Place, Subterranea, The Mavella Grave, uh, The Skin of the Sleek, The Thief Who Stole Time, and of course Purgatory 12. Um, 
And this story reminded me of one of those earlier ones. Do you remember Subterranea? Yes. Is that with the mole people? That's the one. Um, and there's a lot of similarities between that. So Subterranea, uh, Chase the Night it was released in a box set with Purgatory 12 in 2020, I think. Subterranea was released in 2017. Now, both these stories, Subterranea and Chase the Night, are both written by Jonathan Morris. Um, now, the plot synopsis for Subterranea is the TARDIS is going underground. When the Doctor and Romana find themselves buried beneath the surface of an alien world, they're soon swallowed by a giant burrowing machine. This is where the inhabitants of this planet live, in huge, constantly moving drill towns, chewing up the fuel and resources of the planet in order to survive. But something else lurks in the Earth, something that feeds on the drill towns, something that is relentless and will not stop. The Silex are hunting. So uh, if you remember, the Silex was sort of like Cybermen knockoffs. Um, but the reason why I mentioned Subterranea is I think I think it's interesting that both these stories are written by Jonathan Morris, and I think they're very similar. The only sort of like the the main difference is Subterranea takes place underground. Chase the Night <laughs> takes place on the planet's surface. Replace Silex with uh, a natural event, which is the the rising of the sun, and I mm. think they're very similar. Uh, but it's not it's not like for like, but I, th- I do think the similarities. That's why I sort of mention them. But as a comparison, I think Chase the Night is a much better story. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I really really enjoyed Chase the Night. Yeah, it's got some good sci-fi elements there um with the the fungus mm-hmm. so do, are we wanting to go through the, any of the character drama or should we just crack on with the theme of the episode um we can get on with the theme is there anything that you want to mention about the characters mm, i'm not particularly oh. anything you want to mention um any story beats? No, not really. I think it's sort of um, you get the you get the Ooh, whole... uh, Adric dies. Yes, Adric does die. Uh, actually, sorry, because that reminds me that there's a moment in Purgatory Twelve when K Nine dies. Does he? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got to say, I found that very. <laughs> I was quite surprised actually. That is one thing. I found that quite emotionally uh, engaging. And it was just like, I'm listening to this. <laughs> Got a tear in my eye. I know, and the thing is, it's sort of like, I know K9 comes back. He's in the TV series. He can't, for the continuity to work, he's got to come back in the story. Um, and there's a whole thing when he download, um, when they were sh- he was sharing information with another computer, Pips. And I went, that's clearly going to come back and he's going to re-download all the information that from Pip, you know. So I knew mm. what was going to happen, but I still found that quite um, quite engaging. So that was that was another thing about Purgatory 12, which I quite liked. It. Um, um, but yes, Adric, yeah, Adric dies in this story. And again, it's the sort of the same thing of going, I know he's got to come back because he doesn't die until Earthshock. But... Um, <laughs> I didn't find it as emotionally affecting as his canine dying, but uh, I was interested in it because, oh, I wonder how they're going to get out of this. Mm. But of course he comes back. Yeah. Um, and so the means he comes back is that uh, 
this fungus is a life form and when people are releasing when people are eating the fungus and then climbing the trees um they kind of is it just just about the mouth the spores yes yeah, yeah. um but then their consciousness joins a collective mind where mm. they can live forever um and so Adric gets to come back from that mm-hmm. um so the whole idea of them uh the the people are uh, ultimately facing death or um or become part of this collective mind um do you think they well i guess they've got no choice but do they come to the the decision quite easily and accept it uh is it, is it a bit odd well, it was the thing. I mean, I suppose it would be... So, yeah. Um, they just take it on faith that it's going to work. Uh, and they seem... They don't seem to... I think one of the characters... I think, if I remember rightly, I think it's Moni who... Is it Moni? I can't take that name seriously. But uh, I think it's Moni who... Um, I think she questions it, but then... Uh, takes it just out of sheer desperation. Because they can't reach the TARDIS... Um, the ship's breaking down, the sun's catching up, they're all going to die, or there's the opportunity for uh, for them to continue living as sort of like men- mentally sentient beings um, living forever with this collective, which is sort of like a gestalt uh, being. It's, it's tied into the planet. Yeah. And it, yeah, I don't know. Is it really them? Is it just a copy of the mind... Well, like, I don't know. Or does there, in the absence of a soul, is it just a, is it them? Yeah, or just a collection of random thoughts. I mean, that was the thing I was going to ask you, Rob. I mean, if you were in this circumstance, what would you do? Would you um, go, um, you know, try and survive as much as possible, uh, but accept that uh, you're going to Yeah, I'd be, I'd be reluctant. Uh, well, I'm going to, I don't know, like, I'm going to burn anyway. The whole thing of um, my mind living on forever. I don't think I'd want that. No, I don't think I would want that either. Yeah. I mean, I can get, obviously, the survival instinct kicking in and, you know, you, you want to fight death as much as possible. And if there's a means to yeah. survive, you, you'll you take it. But I don't know, the idea of just living as a... For one thing, just a mental thing forever and ever and ever. With the same people. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just... Oh, fills me with horror that idea. I mean, there's only so much conversation that you can have. Yeah, you know, I think you know. At what point does conversation dry up? Fifty years? Mm. <laughs> Don't know. But the idea of just living on forever and ever and ever is just no, not for me. So, any um, interesting points with main characters in this? Well, one of the things that, um, so um, things are obviously desperate and they're, they're constantly on this verge of burning to death and they're just slightly ahead of the sun. They've been doing this for, as I said, uh, 114 years. So um, the captain or the pilot um, has taken some very, very drastic action in all, you know, of this thing of, for the greater good, apparently, of lightening the load um, of the ship. Uh, which basically means killing people. 
dumping out the ship, letting them burn to death. Um, which is, a, a, you know, an obvious um, philosophical dilemma for dramatic purposes to incorporate in this sort of story, which is fine. I think she follows the usual beats that you would you would expect with this. Like the mania just grows and grows and she just seems to be completely and utterly bonkers by the end of the story. Um, mm. I mean, she makes the decision that she's not going to enter this gestalt and she'll just burn to death. One of the things that I did find a bit curious, though, was um, her final scene. Um, unfortunately, I cannot remember the exact line, but it there was something about the wording and the delivering delivery of it, where it, it it's like it try. I don't think it's the case, but it's it's as if it wanted to like it warranted some major significance, like she was maybe a like maybe she was going to come back. Maybe she's the mm. secret major villain, um, but I don't think that's the case. It was just no. I do remember the scene, but mm. not exactly. Yeah, but there was just something about there was just something about the script and the delivery of it. It, uh, but then it just, but then it just immediately cuts off. It just seemed a little bit, um, just a little bit odd, really. Um, but yeah, what I'll say about that character is, you know, she progresses in a very, I would say, it's done well. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's done in a very obvious way. Mm. Um, but that's the only thing that I've really got to say about the. Um, the other characters. I mean, I quite like, you know, the engineer. Uh, I think it's quite a nice character. Um, but he has this, uh, he has this moral quandary, um, because he's been ordered, um, by the captain to uh, tie the doctor down to the train tracks and let him burn to death. Um, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to do it, but he does anyway. And of course, it's a, I'm only following orders type thing. Um, so that puts a bit of a question mark over him, but overall, he, you know, despite that, he is quite a decent character. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Rob? Um, oh, well. Anything else that you want to say about the characters? No, no, not not particularly. It was the whole concept of the story was um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it was better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, would you listen to it again? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think this is definitely one that I would I would happily listen to again. So, um, yeah, I like Chase the Night. It's a good story. Hmm. Um, we did a poll. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we asked. Oh, what did we ask? Hold on, I'm just pulling it up now. Oh yes, we asked. What do you think of Adric? Um, either he sure is cool or I'm not a fan uh, 60% said he sure is cool ah oh, nice um, James Swift replied and said this poll reminded me of this video a, a video called is Adric cool <laughs> alright okay I'll just see if I can connect my phone and play this hopefully my phone doesn't Go crazy. Well, this is a video by Five Who Fans. Some kid just got hit by a car. Okay. I don't know what's happening. 
Adric. He's he's dreaming about Adric. How'd you find Adric? Adric. I have no idea what's happening. Needed to. Well, this is disturbing. I'm always right here with you. No. No, I'm nothing like you. I am a grown-up. I think I've had enough. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I'll leave you to watch the video, Liam. I don't think I want to. That just sounds... Ugh, that sounds quite creepy, actually. I'm I'm disturbed. But anyway, let's uh, let's move away from that. And uh, just, yeah, well, it's quite nice that people think uh, you know because I know that people, uh, Adric is, people think he's cool. He's a role model. Yeah, a, a style icon. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, that haircut's quite questionable. I think, and you know, constantly wearing those odd pajamas. But uh, no, I think uh, you know I've I know you know he's the the companion that everyone just seems to dump on. But I've always kind of you know I, I haven't got a problem with Adric. Actually, this really. Nah. Rob, is there any companion that you do not like? I've got to be careful what I say here. Um, <laughs> well, well, if if James Corden qualifies, um, he, I don't like him. No, but um, that, that's him as a person. I think he's. I think. Okay. I think because he's in the lodger and that crappy Cyberman story. Yeah. Uh, closing time, I think it's called. Um, I think he's all right can, in those, to be honest. But no, I don't, I don't include him as a companion. Yeah. Um, do I like Turlo? Hmm. I don't know. Oh, I don't like him in real life because he doesn't like me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Clara. I like Clara, but I, d I don't. I don't understand all the likes she gets. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's the thing. It's uh, obviously we'll have our preferences, and I mean, I can't be bothered to do this, but you know, I suppose I'll have our like sitting down and ranking the companions. You know, you'll have your your favorites and your least favorites, but genuinely, I don't think there's a companion that I that that I do not like. Um. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't hate anybody. Yeah, I d yeah, I don't. And I think that's the thing. I agree with you. I don't get the the massive popularity that Clara has, but then I don't dislike her. Um. And then at the same time, it's sort of like I don't get the the dislike that Adric seems to get from a from a lot of people. No, I don't. I don't get that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um but um, I mean, obviously, you know, forty percent's quite high still, but it's a clear winner. Adric, you know, people think Adric's cool. Yep. I'm taking that poll as red. I'm assuming that people aren't being ironic or anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should. Maybe should. <laughs> I'll have to do another poll. Yeah, were you being ironic or serious? Um, but yeah, like the character. Yeah. Um, any conclusion for those? Uh, uh, score? Score? Uh, what is score? Chase the Night's clearly a good story, I think. I like that. Um, uh, I like the I like the script. I like the story. I like the script. I like the the sound design of it. it I found that I was really in, um, bomb me, sorry. I found that I was really engaged with that story and I enjoyed it an awful lot. Um, and definitely one I would happily listen to again. So Chase the mm. Night, very good. Well, good. Yes. Um, Purgatory 12 I'm finding it a little bit difficult I don't think it was a it's certainly not a bad story 
I'm kind of debating between average or good. Um, uh, th- mm. oh, it's uh, on the spectrum in between, maybe. Yeah, that's the thing because I don't think it was. <sighs> See, is is that what I was saying? Pose Twelve isn't really a story that I really have a desire to go back and listen to again. Yeah, but for what it was, it was all right. Um, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's sort of. I don't know whether average is a. Uh, I'm just gonna stick with average. But as you yeah. say, Rob, it's sort of like it could easily nudge to to good a little bit. But yeah, fair enough. I was going to go with average mm. for that one and good for the for the latter. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We're in agreement. So Pegasus Twelve, average, chase the night, good. Yeah. Um. So I want to do a big call to action for all the listeners. Um. We have a website, cloisterbellpodcast.com. Um. You can create a profile on there. Um. So we can get to know you. If you've created a profile and logged in, if you leave us a review once you've logged in, you will automatically receive, as a virtual badge on your profile, Adric's star for mathematical excellence. Nice. Yeah. It's all automated. It's all set up. Go register, leave us a review, and it's yours. Do it now. Yeah. No, thanks, Rob. That's good. Um, what we're doing next week? Well, I'll say next week. What are we doing for the next oh. podcast? Um, I haven't decided yet. This is the moment where I need to know, though, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do, do we not do more Big Finish next week? So we could go to TV? Um, Actually, we'll just go to TV stuff. It's all right. We'll wait. Right. Um, you're going to hate me. Um, let's go back to Torchwood. Cyberwoman. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Uh, I'm not going to hate you, Rob. For a moment, I thought when you said you're going to hate me, I thought there, there was a certain Doctor Who story that you were going to recommend. A certain one? Mm. What, like The Lodger or some... No, no, I thought I oh, quite like The Lodger. No, I was thinking of a certain uh, Peter Capaldi episode. Oh, which one? The one that... Oh. Yeah. Which one was it? Oh, yeah, another one. Yeah. We don't mention that yeah, here. Yeah, we... <laughs> some point we may have to review it we'll never review it (laughs) (laughs) if it comes to the point where we've reviewed all of doctor who except that i think we should just call it a day yeah i agree (laughs) yes i agree with that because i have oh that episode made me feel physically sick don't want to watch that again no so torchwood absolutely happy with and uh, yeah doesn't make you feel sick at all no i mean Uh, (laughs) i think I mean, I haven't seen it in an awfully long time. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun reviewing that one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I mean, all I remember about it is, right, okay, Cyber Bikini and Cyber... Heels? Cyber Heels, no? yes. <laughs> Stupid episode. But, yeah. Uh, one of Chibnall's finest. Yes, Chibnall at his best. There's no such thing. No. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, no. Good choice, Rob. I think it's going to be fun, that one. Um, so yeah, don't forget, go register at cloisterbellpodcast.com, leave us a review. Sorry, back to you, Liam. No, uh, thanks, Rob. Right, that was um, that was it, actually. Was this the end? This is the end. <laughs> Unless, um, is there any, I don't know, spoilery stuff that we, or stuff that we Ooh, talk yeah. about after Sh- the shall, credits? Shall we do a post-credit chat? Yes, yeah. we will. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so if if you if you don't want to 
hear anything about possibly spoilery things for the 60th anniversary and beyond, just turn off the podcast now. Yep, uh, yeah, so turn off now and wait till the next podcast where we're reviewing Cyberwoman. Um, so see you then. But otherwise, stick around till after the credits. Thanks, everyone. The TARDIS Cloister Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloister Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no. Right, there's the credits. What we're talking about, Rob? Um, or oh, what we're going to talk about. So there's a, there's this unit show that's happening with Jedi Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Yes, I heard about that. So live action unit spin-off. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Um, I quite like the idea. Um, I would hope... My idea... I mean, I haven't really thought a lot, a lot about it. I mean, because I like the character and I think there's some... I think there could be like a really interesting... It could be an interesting action adventure series, or it could be an interesting espionage thing. The, you know, you could go in different directions with it. It's kind of intriguing. I like the idea. What I hope they don't do is, uh, Rob, you. There's an episode of Torchwood where of Mir- Miracle Day. Are you thinking about the emulate the Doctor Who formula? No, 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 not that. There's, um, I think it's in the second series of Torchwood. Where, um, oh, what's her name? She's the the technological one in Tosh. Toshiko. Toshiko, yes. There's an episode in there where they they go on about how how she was brought into Torchwood. And it's sort of like the dark side of Unit. Yeah, where she's kind of incarcerated and identities taken away and everything. Yes. I could see what they were doing in that episode and it was kind of interesting and there was a lot of commentary of what was going on you know, at the time when that episode was made. But anyway, the reason why I mentioned it, I, I wouldn't want them to go into that direction. Um, mm. I would, ideally, I would like them to sort of like, unit is pure. You, you know, if you like, unit is a force for good. So I wouldn't, re- I, personally, I wouldn't want them to go down that dark route. Um, I'd like, I'd like it to be, you know, units of force for good, you know, an upbeat series type thing. Yeah. Um, that, that, so that's the reason why I mentioned that. That That's what I would like about it. You know, that's the direction I hope they would go in. Um, as I said, yeah, there's different things you could do, maybe like a bit of a, an espionage thriller type series or. Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, so interesting. It, it, it's interesting that um, this is something that Big Finish is already doing. See, Big Finish does the whole shared universe thing, yeah. and they and they do unit. What does this mean for that? And will it? I'm I'm guessing it'll not um, follow on or try to emulate that. It'll be its own thing. I think so. I mean, as we know, Russell T. Davis has a very huge respect for Big Finish, and I don't mm. think he. I mean, unlike Chibnall. <laughs> whatever but um uh so i don't think he would want to tread on tread on their toes and 
but at the same time, it'd be like, yeah, but we're very much our own thing. So, yeah, but I don't think he, yeah. I don't think he'll basically shaft big finish over it. Yeah. Um, what's your feelings? Do you think this will be a BBC thing, or will it be a Disney Plus exclusive? Ah, uh, good question. Um, in in the long run, do you mind? Because you, if this is a if it's going to be a thing, you might sign up to Disney Plus anyway. Yeah, I may do. I'm not sure. I mean, the thing is, it's sort of like it's it, it's slightly funny, actually, you know, having a podcast dedicated to a television program. And yet I don't really watch an awful lot of television. Um, so, um, yeah. And even even in the past, when I've subscribed to things like Netflix and Amazon Prime, um, there comes a point when it's sort of like, yeah, there's. There's not an awful lot that interests me. I would have to... To be perfectly honest, if I were to subscribe to Disney+, Plus, I think it would be purely for the fact that I'd be interested to see what unit the TV series is about. Um, So yeah, I'd probably subscribe out of curiosity, see what it was about, and then take it from there. Um, Mm -hmm. If I liked what it was doing, then may stick around, but I'm not Mm. sure. But um, yeah, would it... To begin with, it may be a shared thing like Doctor Who. So if you're here in the UK, we would be able to watch through the BBC. Anywhere else in the world, you probably have to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. I suspect is the way that um, they'll do it. Mm. But of course, I think we're at the point of going, is the existence of the BBC in question? How long? I, I, think, I think most people are sort of sort of aware that maybe it's, you know, we're approaching the end. How long it's going to last at this point, we don't know. But anyway, that's a that's a, another conversation. But um, yeah, but yeah, I suspect uh, yeah, I it'll be in much the same way that we'll be able to watch Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, any other news or stuff? Oh, um, David Tennant was on Comic Relief. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Lenny Henry did he regenerate into David Tennant or vice versa? Yeah, I saw that bit. It was uh, it was crap. Um, yeah, Lenny Henry regenerates into David Tennant. Uh, it was just it was very unfunny. It was poorly performed, and it was yeah, uh, yeah. I'm... Yeah, I was surprised he was doing anything Doctor Who related because didn't he like when he was promoting Spyfall, he just getting slagged Doctor Who off. Yeah, yeah, he and dumped then he, it, and, and then, and then, then yeah, and then he, he was like, or something. yeah, and he said they'll never have a black doctor. Ah, and then, like, well, look who's that, that, now, that same Henry series, Nob. yeah, they had a yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I thought it was yeah, sorry, yeah, but I, I have gone off uh, Lenny Henry a bit. I mean, the thing is, I've never been a massive fan of his because he started off in comedy, and I never thought he was particularly funny, which is a bit of a problem <laughs> for a comedian. I remember it was always a thing when it when it was the Lenny Henry show, it'd be a new series. It was always massive, massively advertised. I would still watch it because you know I was um, one of my first loves was comedy, and I would pretty much watch anything and any, anything that was comedy related on television. And there would always be like one funny sketch, and yeah. during the half hour, and the rest of it wouldn't be particularly good. And you didn't, you know, it could be the first sketch, it could be in the middle, or it could be the end. You didn't know where it was going to be. That was the intrigue of the show. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've never we had few had few channels. We just had to watch stuff, yeah. even if you felt dead inside and you were just staring <laughs> at it. 
Word a little choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's always had... Um, but ever since he became more of a straight actor, he's always been very um, highly regarded for that. Uh, I know that... I think he's played Othello uh, at some point, and a lot of people say, you know, that was a damn good performance. Mm. Uh, he's in the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Is he? Oh, I didn't he, 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 Yeah, he's a hobbit. Is he any good? Um, yeah, he's all right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know this seems really uh, like an odd thing, but going back to the children need thing, I know it was only for a couple of minutes and it was just a, a way of introducing the thing and tying it up to Doctor Who and being a bit of fun. I was actually quite surprised at how poor his performance was. Mm. Yeah. I was hoping we were going to get a little scene. Yeah, but... I mean, <laughs> yeah. Is there any other news? I know there's this whole doom thing. <laughs> or are we not allowed to talk about that? No, no. Go on. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So there's some kind of. Um, do I need to get the trailer and play? No, no. Oh, we don't. We're not doing no, that. No, we're not doing that. I've already seen it. Once was enough. <laughs> um. So is it is it like like an early April Fool's joke or is it? This is like the 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 first, the first uh, thing released officially as part of the Russell canon. Um, what does that what does that what does that say about the future? <laughs> is this the, is this the um, the quality of what's to come? I, d- I mean I don't th- I don't think so I don't hope so but uh, well hang on Rob what is it exactly? Okay, so we all remember Time Lord Victorious. Mm-hmm. That big, great cash grab where we had to spend, um, I think it was in, in excess of £300 to get all the books, CDs, vinyls, T-shirts, mugs, um, you name it, mm. to follow this big multimedia story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean to make it sound so crap. It was actually quite good. I, I enjoyed the books and CDs and stuff. Um. This appears to follow the same formula. It's going to be a story about this character um, through audios, books, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It looks like a bit of an insult. I don't know. I think what it is, it's just tonally weird. Uh, yes. Is it aimed at... It's like a bit of a childish thing. Yeah, but the content of it is it. It's 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 yeah. I think I described it as sort of like like a tonal whiplash, which I think um, uh, when we were when we briefly discussed it during our YouTube chat, and I think Harry uh, from Who Can Convince You kind of liked that and said, "Yeah, it is," because it is a bit. So we've got this character called Doom, um, and she's talking directly to us in this trailer, and she introduces herself as the sort of like the universe's greatest assassin. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way, like she's presenting Blue Peter. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's just, I don't know, I just think it, the whole thing... Who's she talking to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the production of it, I don't... I think one of the issues that people... Because I haven't come across anyone who's like had anything positive to say about it. And I think the issue is, is for one thing... The production of it isn't particularly fantastic. Now, we've seen the trailer, 
And we're seeing how uh, the 60th anniversary is going to be marketed a little bit. And there's a lot of positive stuff about that. Um, and people are really looking forward to the Russell T. Davis era, what's going to be done and, and so on. But as you said, Rob, you made a point. This is the first um, properly marketed thing showing us where some of what's going to happen to Doctor Who under RTD. Um, yeah, it's, it's when across his desk, it's past some kind of quality control somehow. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. Yeah, it doesn't look great. It's tonally odd. Yeah, and are we going to have legitimate BBC books and big finished CDs about this stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, it's just... It, it, it's uh, weird. Uh, unless, unless we're not reading it properly in like... In one of the stories, it's going to be revealed that she is just an actor up against a green screen. Yeah, could be. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I suppose. I mean, it's a thing. Like, there's no such thing as bad publicity because at the end of the day, people are aware of it and people are talking about it. And I suppose there is a little bit of intrigue of going, "Well, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. What's good? What's going to happen with it?" So, yeah. It, uh, but I got to say. Yeah, it's a, I just don't get it. Even it aimed at a um, a younger audience, I think. Um, yeah, don't underestimate their their ability to watch sensible stuff. I don't. Well, that's the thing. The best people involved in making children's programs have always said one thing, which is, children are not idiots. Treat them mm. with respect. Treat them with intelligence. Um, and the best team. How how are children going to follow all this when you have to pay money <laughs> to to get all these bits? Yeah, um, that's a. It's a, it's a, it's like something that's aimed at the at the fans, but also not. Yeah, uh, it's happening. It's it's an oddity, is what I just probably <laughs> politely describe it as at, at the moment. It's 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 yeah. an oddity. Yeah. But funnily enough, oh, this is going to sound really negative, Rob. The, right, okay, there's this thing on Twitter about a whole load of stuff. People are tweeting about um, um, what's the, like, if it's James Bond, like, what's the what's the thing with James Bond which will, like, uh, annoy a lot of other James Bond fans? And there's other franchises which is doing the rounds on Twitter with this sort of thing, right? And this got me thinking in relation to Doctor Who. Like, what's the one opinion about Doctor Who which would get a lot of Doctor Who fans sort of going, what? Really? Which, <laughs> mine is, I wish Doctor Who hadn't come back in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed series of the revival. I've enjoyed episodes of it and so on. But at this point, I just like, uh, I wish I hadn't come back now. <laughs> just that original 26 year run and the attempt of bringing it back in 1996 didn't quite work, but we had a good mm-hmm. TV movie out of it. That stuff I like. I think it should have ended there. Yeah. And would still have big finish. Yeah. And we'd still have. I don't know whether we would still be having books. books. Yeah, books. Yeah, we would because, um, yeah, unfortunately the new era put an end to the classic era books, but mm-hmm. we'd still have books. Yeah. And probably um, the the classic era would have a, a different appreciation, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, 
with stuff like this, it's just like as you're saying, just uh, yeah. But we'll see. maybe we'd be, be be podcasting about something better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, that's. See, it. We're talking about yeah. There's, there's good stuff. Good stuff out there, and we're not talking about it. <laughs> oh, Bloody Doctor Who oh, again. I know. Uh, oh, um, oh, I've been watching. I forgot to mention at the start of the podcast. I've been catching up on the latest season of Picard. All oh, right, okay. It's in it's in, in its final season now. Mm-hmm. It's really picked up on the last season. Um, I can't because I kind of enjoyed season one. A lot of people kind of hated it. Season two, um, it was quite awful. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, but I'm pretty sure I, I have heard good things about the third series. I know for one thing, haven't they got? a new production, a new writer team involved. Um, yes, I don't know if this is correct, but I think I heard that um, with the first two series, um, Patrick Stewart was quite involved w- with the um, with the narrative there. Okay, interesting. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, if maybe I've misheard this, but uh, maybe not so much. Or maybe the, he's, the, Maybe he's kind of let other people have some ideas <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's kind of a funny one really i think um with all due respect to actors okay you've you've got a skill and a talent there of but really what it is it's about interpreting and performing other people's work that is your job and obviously you do it well um but that is a completely different skill set to being a writer now i know jack nicholson uh has ha- you know him? Let me finish, Rob. <laughs> no, I don't know Jack Nicholson. I know that Jack Nicholson um, has been involved with uh, writing some of his uh, some of his scripts. Um, but he always said that th- that's one of the reasons what which made him a good actor because he was a good writer, so he was able to balance the two things out. Right. Uh, Christopher Nolan recently, or well, fairly recently, did, was doing an interview about his movie Inception and said what made that film better was Leonardo DiCaprio raising a lot of questions, making suggestions, and that forced him and his brother to go back and rewrite the script and make it better. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of... So actors can have a very positive impact on scripting decisions but not always and i think if you are the if you're the writers and you're the producers and you're the director i think you've got to filter that out you you are the team very much in charge of putting this across mm. the reason why i sort of mention this is because what you've just said if because i i haven't watched the series but i am aware of sort of opinions of them that mm. The second, the first two series of Picard weren't particularly. Um... No, it, it. You know what? It has some really great moments, mm. though. Like you can pick some great moments out of New Doctor Who. Yeah, but they they are just moments. Mm. And with as a whole, the first two seasons of Picard. Uh, well, the first one was interesting because it it introduced some new characters, and some new themes. The second series was really grounded. And it really kind of come to a halt, and um, it explored um, kind of Picard coming to terms with his mother's death. So it was a more of a psychological journey on his 
um, side of it. Uh, and now we get to the third season. Um, it very much delivers on fan service, which we all know can be a bad thing. Mm. But um, no, it's it, it's really worked in its favour, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it's very much kind of approached that this final season, they're treating it like the final next generation film. Right, okay. Um, visually, uh, narratively, it's it's really quite good. Yeah. Oh, well, and it, it it and it picks up on some important themes. I don't know. Um, I think I'm okay to discuss spoilers, but maybe not with you. All right. Okay. What what do you? Is it something you might watch one day? I might do actually, because funny enough, I I am getting a bit because uh, you know how uh, a little while back I've been watching um the original Star Trek series. Yeah. Um, I want to go back and rewatch those. And yeah, I'm kind of wanting to go back and watch the next generation at some point. And yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of interested. I might at some point. Yeah, I'm, I may watch. Okay. It I, I've been going back and watching quite a bit of um, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine as well. Um, the last couple of weeks. Um, hang on. Who was the, who was the captain in Deep Space Nine? Uh, Benjamin Sisko. Who was? Um, what was the series where it had a female captain? That was Voyager. Yeah, what, but Vo- what was the name of the character? Voyager's time. Um, ca- um, Janeway. Captain Janeway, yes. I liked her. Yeah. Star Trek Voyager, yeah. I remember enjoying that. Didn't that tie yeah. in and, with um, Generation? No, it, the, the Voyager never tied in with any of the films, apart from Janeway had a bit of a cameo in the last film. No, not the films, but the TV series. Like, didn't Worf, oh, the TV- didn't Worf appear in Voyager, or was that Deep Space Nine? All right, so crossovers. Um, yeah, Worf was a, a regular on Deep Space Nine in the last few seasons. Right, okay. Um, so he's kind of straddled both. So while he was on Deep Space Nine, he was also appearing in the Next Generation films. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven of Nine, the Borg from Voyager. Yes. she She's a regular in the Picard series. Oh, yes. Yes, I was aware of that, yeah. And doesn't Q uh, appear in Voyager? On a couple of episodes, I remember he is it. Yeah, one episode in particular. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he, he was also um, in Deep Space Nine for an episode. I can't remember that. Right. Okay. In, in, in Q's back in Picard as well. Wasn't he in series two uh, of Picard? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Picard does kind of revisit elements of, um. Yeah. Next gen. Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Mm-hmm. So some in big ways, some in little ways. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, there's some uh, there's some little Easter eggs I just, I really want to tell you. Because uh, I haven't really had anyone to discuss this stuff with. Um, there's some little but major things which are bugging me. Um, and I can't even tell you. It's so annoying. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Uh, we'll probably be able to have a conversation about it in 15 years' time. One day, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, just a few days ago, I was I was really thinking, oh, I really want to watch Star Trek and blog about it. But that's kind of a big thing to take on. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no blogs. Don't 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 let me start any blogs. <laughs> blogs. Wow. Uh, those were the days. Blogging away. 
when we just talk. Um, anyway, so we just okay. That's yeah. I'll try and what's what's Picard on? Like what 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 have you subscribed to watch that? Well, it's on it's on Amazon Prime. Right. Okay. But that's a um, I don't know if it's going to stay there forever or if it's going to go to Paramount Plus because on Paramount Plus that's the home of Star Trek now. Um, I think Picard just honoured the fact that it started on Prime and it's going to continue on Prime. Par- Paramount um, Plus, you would be able to get like watch a whole load of films on that, won't you? Um, oh yeah, there's a lot of great stuff and uh, exclusives on Paramount Plus as well. I'd like to get it because I'd like to finish Star Trek Discovery, which is which was a Netflix original. <laughs> right. Okay. Now it now it's on Paramount. Annoyingly. Okay. Um, and also, there's a, a show called Strange New Worlds, um, which is Pike and the Enterprise. Um, so I'd like to watch that. I don't know if I'm going to get the, maybe grab a Blu-ray or subscribe. But you know what? They don't do 30-day trials. They only do seven-day trials. Oh, they've cottoned so, on. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to have to pick the right week to do it and <laughs> have, a, have a massive binge. Yeah, that'd be quite a, quite an undertaking. Yeah, I think they I think they've all cottoned on. We can't do 30, free, 30 days of rediscovery. People could just because I used to do this with Netflix, subscribe to watch a particular series, um, watch it all. Is that right? Great, that's done. Cancel the yeah. subscription. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Rob. Just take, is there anything else about uh, Doctor Who? Oh, I don't think so. I haven't been really looking. Do you want me to look into any spoilers or not? Yeah, go on. Should, should, should I go diving, for, diving in for them? Yeah. So I'll use that good old hashtag, which is DWSR. I wonder if that stands for. Oh, apparently we've got some um, 60th anniversary photo shoot leaks. There's a blurry picture of... Where would spoilers that be with Nod- blurry pictures? Right, okay. Yeah, uh, I think it's a sea devil in Nardol and um, in Dan. <laughs> I think this is fake. That's got to be fake, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's have a look. I don't th- or is that Matt Smith and in, in Shooty? I don't know. It's a very a very blurry, distant photo. Like It, it basically like, it could be anything. You see, could you, be anything. You see what you want to see in it. There's a blurry thing. It might be a human. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah. I'm just having a little look through. I think this might be legit, though, because um, people are talking about it. <laughs> it looks like a mannequin with the head on backwards, and people are like, surely this is Matt Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, not much else. Can anyone tell me what this is? It's set, set pictures. It looks like a tree stump to me. I don't know. Um, not much exciting. No, there's no 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 good spoilers apart from that blur. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've Nothing. got a blurry picture and a tree stump that may appear in an episode. Okay, great. Or, or may not. Or may not. It may just be. <laughs> <laughs> oh great uh um so we were on the new youtube channel last week was it last week yes it was yes yeah um after who 
So we're no, no longer doing it on our YouTube channel. We're doing the live after shows on a shared YouTube channel. That seems fair, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's no longer like a Cloisterbell thing. We're done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else's responsibility now. Yeah. Yeah. It's still my responsibility somehow. Oh, okay, to, great. <laughs> to press record. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully um, we'll give permissions to all the others so they can kind of upload their own stuff if need be and have creative control over the channel description, the artwork and do their own live streams, whatever. So I think that's good. Yeah, no, that is good, yeah. Um uh yeah, so um we'll be doing something for the sixtieth, yeah. Um any um do we have need to have a little team meeting about anything? What 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 do you I don't know, what do you want it from the future? What do you want? Um, yeah, well, uh, Rob and I have discussed something. So what we're going to be doing is, because uh, we're still saddled by this stupid decision that I made, which is to do season 18 in such a ridiculously long-winded way. We're nearly coming to the end of that. Thank God. Um, after that, <laughs> we're going to take a... Season 19 season, extended. Season 19, yeah. Now, after that, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, but we will be coming back um, for... It will be tying in uh, a bit to the 60th anniversary and there will be a sort of like a... I, I don't know whether tournament's the right word, but it's the one I've been using. Um, I'm sure there's a better way I can use. Um, where I forgot Rob, about this. Yeah, Rob and I will be discussing uh, stuff and uh, it will involve you, the listeners, as as well um, through, through our social media. Um, uh, and to be honest, I'm really looking forward to that. So the sooner we can finish season friggin 18 <laughs> no it's fine i love season 18 it was just doing this thing of like tying in the uh, the big finish audio adventures in at the same time yeah it just drags it on far too long. when did we start this is it gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a year before we finish it oh, God. no we're nearly at the end there are i think there's only three more three more big finishes to do i think right three more bundles yeah, the, well, no, um, no, no, no. One bundle, which is two stories. And that's that's next time, yeah? And that's next time. The next, then we okay. have uh, Warrior's Gate. It's a TV series. Keeper of Traken. Yes. Yeah. Our last big finish for season 18, which is a solo story written by Matthew Waterhouse. Okay. Called, and I think he may narrate it, called The Watcher. Then Logopolis. Then we're done. <laughs> great yeah great um yeah uh and then i said we will take a little bit of a break following that um we'll have a relaunch and then yeah effectively new beginnings new beginnings new relaunch uh new segments new theme tune no we haven't put any thought into that have we no not yet uh but yeah i think uh, that's something that we can have a discussion about yeah <laughs> oh well I think uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's the, it. The end again. Yeah, the end. Right. Well, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We're, we're visiting the hub next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for C- Cyberwoman. C- Cyberwoman. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah. See you there. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye.